Welcome back to Off the Chart. We are here, we're queer, and we are processing episode two of Gen Q season two, baby. This season, we're once again watching the L Word Generation Q with you, bringing you our unfiltered take on the new series reboot every Tuesday because we still can't get enough of those LA lesbians. We really can't. I'm Erica Lenti, and I wish that Bet Porter would bring me some tartine bread when I go through a bad breakup. And I'm sheltering in, managing producer of Video at Extra, and hell hath no fury like a Danny scorned. If I was Danny, I'd punch Finley in the face too. <laughs> oh, hard same, hard same. Do you love her? You weren't happy. Yes, I was. My gut's telling me something's going on with you. My editor, hi. I like to think of myself as your guru of texture. Okay, Shell, it was an action-packed episode. What did you notice this time around? So the theme in episode two seems to be about standing your ground and speaking your truth. Danny leaves Sophie, period, because cheating is an absolute deal breaker for her. Uh, Sophie's sister Maribel calls Micah the Finley in his situationship, which prompts Micah to then finally break it off with Jose for good. And Nat finally tells Alice that she's polyamorous and reminds us all that Alice is indeed a bisexual. <laughs> Amazing bi representation, finally. Okay, shall we recap? Let's do it. Okay, so let's start with our love triangle, I guess. Is it really a love triangle anymore? I'm not sure. Um, so Danny is done with Sophie. Uh, she gives Finley a righteous smack in the face because of everything. And as we said earlier, I think it was much deserved. Um, so Sophie's like, I got to keep myself busy, goes back to work. But Finley's there because Alice told her to come back. Uh, it's real bad. They fight a lot. Um, but at the end of the episode, Sophie tells Finley not to move out and to stay. So Shell, it seems like Finley might happen. I don't know how I feel about it. How are you feeling about it? I mean, you know what a big fan I was of that situationship last season, and now I'm not so sure. Mm -hmm. But I do think they're going to follow up on it, or, or else why bring back Finley? They have mutual friends, and they all kind of live in the same house. And let's not forget that Finley and Sophie are also co-workers. And so, like, that'll mm. be fine while they're still dating. But if it goes left or goes south... Like, that can be a really awkward situation in the workplace, as we already saw yeah. in this episode when they had that um, th that huge blowout in, in one of the conference rooms. What do you think? Hmm. Yeah, I just find it really fascinating how we went from like, oh, my God, we've got the feels for Sinley to like, Ugh. <laughs> this doesn't feel good anymore. This feels really toxic and gross. I wanted to tell you nothing that you say will make this OK ever. But my favorite scene, or one of my favorite scenes from the episode was Danny flushing her either engagement or wedding ring, I wasn't too sure, down the toilet and then sending a video of it um, to Sophie, I believe. Um, would you ever flush an engagement ring down the toilet? Um, well, I, let's remember that that engagement ring was a family heirloom, like passed down oh to Sophie God, from right. generation to generation. Like... The least Danny could have done was give it back to her. But I mean, like, she's in rampage mode. She is livid AF. Like, I can understand why she would just flush it. And I love that, like, her millennial self was like, I'm going to film it and put it on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, because that's just the thing you do. So I don't know that I would, but I thought it was really funny that Danny did. But what do you think is next for Danny? Like, what do we, what do we think is going to happen now that she's out of Sophie's orbit? 
That's a really great question. Um, and it's followed by us having confirmation that Danny did indeed have a crush on Bette Porter. Um, right. And of course, Mama Bette Porter has just been so uh, supportive of Danny. If you need anything, I am here for you. Thank you. I'm fine. Bringing her tartine and mm -hmm. telling her she'll always be there for her. Um, so maybe they're going to go down that path and they explore what that might look like i don't think that could last but i think it might make for some fun scenes or fun episodes so that's my take what do you think danny's gonna do yeah let's just rile up the tibet shippers let's get <laughs> let's get bet paired up with everybody Gigi, just to see what happens danny who else <laughs> Okay, so speaking of Bet, let's talk about what's going on with her this episode. So she's sold her soul back to the art world um, now that she's done with the mayoral campaign and loss. And she's trying to help sign some BIPOC artists um, at this new gallery. The problem is she has to work with this straight white man buffoon type character. Um, and that kind of gets in the way of her trying to figure out what to do. And she's not sure if she can manage it. But that's fine because at the end, we get a steamy sex scene with Bet and Gigi, which was probably the highlight of Bet's plot arc in this episode for me. How do we feel about Bet and Gigi? I want to know if you're shipping it, if you feel weird about it, because I am firmly a Bet Gigi shipper. I'm the captain of that ship. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I'm your skipper, at least, Lenti. Let's just say that. Um, I'm a huge fan. I mean, we talked about it uh, last episode um, that... Uh, Gigi actually seems like a match for Bet. So, um, yeah, I love it. And this sex scene was hot. Like, if they're going to make more scenes Super like hot. that, like, yeah, I want to see that relationship pan out. <laughs> Again, two beautiful women um, who are also smart and fierce and witty. And I just, like, can't, I cannot get enough of it. Um, but I think that Tibet shippers are probably still holding out for a Bet-Tina reunion, despite Carrie being in the picture now. Do you think that Bet is still in love with Tina? Do you think that Gigi's just like a fling? Thoughts? Um, I think, and I think you said it best in uh, season one of our recaps of uh, Off the Chart, that like Tibet never ends. There's no end game. And so like they'll <laughs> always just like be in other relationships and 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 be in each other's lives. And they'll always just kind of like their orbits will always just kind of be around each other. So I think right now, like this is just one of those times where where they're missing each other. But like that door is eternally open, I think. Are you saying Tibet is eternal? That's kind of nuts. To think about. <laughs> Okay, let's get to Shane. But before we talk about this episode, I have to formally apologize to Shane McCutcheon. Last episode, we incorrectly said that Shane slept with Lena Waith's wife. Uh, it turns out that she was just trying to. Um, our producer, Lido, was correct about this and we didn't listen and we're sorry. So please take our apology and we are very sorry. <laughs> then on to Shane, who obviously completely messed up uh, the poker game with Lena Waithe's people. Uh, and so she's like, I'm Shane. I'm just gonna, you know, start my own poker game and I'm gonna do it at Dana's. And she had, of course, all of our favorite lesbians attend. 
Um, and now Tess has a job too, which is great and means they'll be spending some more time together. All right. Thank you. Everyone have what they need? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. This right, is such go. a great idea. You should do this often. That's the plan. Let's do this. I'm getting a hormonal surge. I'm ready to take all your money. <laughs> My question is, how bad can this go, Shell? <laughs> how badly can they mess all of this up? <laughs> I mean, there's lots of options here. Depends on who else gets pulled. Like, <laughs> who else gets pulled into the game? I mean, right now it's pretty low key. It's all their besties, right? So, you know, I want to see it succeed a little bit before it falls flat on its face. Which celesbian do you want to see play poker at Dana's? Is the big question. Oh, that is a good question. I mean, we could be predictable and pull, you know, the OG lesbians, Tegan and Sarah can show up to that game. I don't know. They seem to be. Oh, I'd love that. They're huge fans of the show, as we've seen in the original series. I'm blanking right now. Who would you want to see at that poker game? I just I'm picturing like Cara Delevingne comes out of her like vagina tunnel in her house <laughs> and arrives at the poker game. This is my vagina tunnel. Shall I go through? I'm going to go through. Oh, God. And then you're inside. Okay, but aside from all of those hijinks, um, there was a really interesting conversation at the poker table uh, regarding cheating, of course, with uh, Finley, Sophie, and Danny. Um, but Bet's past also comes up. Um, so what did you make of that, Shell? Um, well, I think it's safe to say that Bet was probably giving Sophie the hardest time at that poker game. Um, and that makes sense because Danny was her campaign manager. You know, she spent a lot of time with her. Danny means a lot to her. Um, so of course she's going to defend her. Uh, but I love that Shane like reminds Bet that like we are all with fault, including her. And, uh, then Bet, you know, tells Sophie that she cheated on Tina. 17 years ago and still lives to regret it like today. Um, I think it's interesting because Sophie gets a glimpse um, at her future, what that one moment of, of misjudgment can do to your whole life. Uh, and I love that Shane was the one that called it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. I think like we know how close Shane and Bet are. And I think that if it was anyone else but Shane, it maybe wouldn't have worked as well. Mm. Um, and I also like that there was this callback, right? Like Bet and Tina were probably around the same age, maybe a little bit older than Sophie and Danny um, are right now. So it's nice to see some of that continuity. Always love Shane calling people out. Um, I think it worked really well. And sometimes Bet needs it. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's not perfect. No, call her out. Yeah. On to Alice, who, as we know, is writing this memoir. We meet her uh, editor, Tom. He's hilarious. He wants her to go deep. Um, we will see how that turns out. Uh, but in her romantic life, we see that Nat is actually alluding to uh, the fact that she's not happy with monogamy. We see her breakdown in the bathroom. And then finally, at the end of the episode, she admits that she is indeed polyamorous. So we were right, Shell. We actually predicted that the monogamy thing wasn't going to work. Um, what do you think comes next for them? Do you think it's going to work? Like, do you think that polyamory is for Alice and Nat? I mean, I think it's for Nat. <laughs> I'm not as convinced mm -hmm. that it's for Alice. And again, I have mixed feelings about like Nat using Alice's bisexuality against her. Um, you know, in yeah. saying that, like, I'm polyamorous, it's just like you being bisexual, and it's a point of contention for the two of them. I mean, Alice already, um, 
went into a throuple with her girlfriend's ex-wife to try to please her. Like that is love, you know what I mean? Um, and so it's like, how much of Alice is she gonna give up um, to make Nat happy? And then it's almost like Nat gives her a ultimatum. She's kind of like, we have to figure out a way around this or it's not gonna work out. So yeah, I don't really know what's gonna happen there. They're probably gonna try it and it will probably fail miserably. What do you think is gonna happen? Yeah, I agree. I think um, in order to make polyamory work, which is like, you know, there's lots of things that come up for folks who both of whom are, you know, polyamorous and think that it's going to work for them. um, I think both people really have to be in it and want to be in it. Uh, And I just don't get that Alice wants to be in it. I think she wants to be monogamous with Nat. And so it's it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't know that they can last, but I am surprisingly rooting for them. In the first season, like I was like, oh, Nat, like whatever. But I'm actually like, I've grown really keen um, of them. So we'll see, we'll see where this goes. And speaking of interesting characters, we have Micah, who I am so desperately rooting for. Um, He did the thing I wanted him to do, which was remove himself from the relationship with Jose. He will not be the Finley of this relationship. He walked away. Um, And the thing that I'm seeing brewing is Maribel, um, Sophie's sister, uh, they seem to have a bit of a back and forth going on. So I'm predicting a little something what do you think? I uh, I picked up on those flirting vibes as well. Um, and I kind of, I'm into it. I think their their banter with each other is really cute. It seems like a natural step. It doesn't seem out of place um, if, if they wanted to explore that as a relationship. So I love it. But uh, more than anything else, I just love that Micah has finally displayed some like self-dignity and confidence in this episode. Yes. He's just like fuck you like when when jose is kind of like you remember my friend i was like no like leave now and that's exactly what he did and like thank god let's get micah somebody that deserves him okay it's time for our favorite segment of the podcast the superlatives round each week we crown our favorite moments uh from the episode so shell what was your favorite this week um so my honorable mention will go to alice who had like so many wonderful one-liners this episode um right off the top after finley like confesses her love and it's kind of chaotic alice says she's like a little kitten on the highway (laughs) which which i thought was so cute um and then later in the episode when she catches uh sophie working late uh she kind of walks into sophie's office and says ah you're hiding out at work little young for that that usually comes later um relatable but my favorite part of this episode is when shane tells finley you spoke your truth it's not easy to do and not many people can do it which Tess finds surprisingly sweet uh they reveal something deeply personal to each other and their flirting game is on point like are we witnessing a budding romance here like please i hope so Damn, you are firmly a Tess Shane shipper. Like you, that, you're the captain of that yeah, ship. Yeah, I had to get off the Sinley ship, and now I'm on this one. <laughs> what was your favorite moment, Erica? Um, I think my favorite moment, surprisingly, was just the ensemble moment at the poker game. Hmm. Like it was just really nice to see 
the OG cast interacting with the new kids because I feel like we haven't had a lot of sort of intermingling aside from, you know, like Danny and Bet or Finley and Alice. Like, it's really nice to see everyone together. Is this everyone? Yeah, I think this is it. Okay. Well, I invited Danny, but she's still too shattered to go out in public, so. Okay, are you sure I should be here? I can go. Yes, no, you're here with me. You're here with me. We're all going to get along. Uh, and I think whenever we get Shane, Alice, and Bet at a table together, it's it's always fantastic. The acting is on point, um, and there are always laughs and feels to be had. So that was my fave this week. That's it for this episode of Off the Chart. Tune in next week where we will dissect episode three, and hopefully we can all get together for a game of poker at Dana's. I'm Erica Lenti. And I'm Shel Turingen. Off the Chart Generation Q is produced by Shel Turingen. Our technical producer is Lido House. Our executive producer is Rachel Giza, and our music is by Kid Coolit. If you like what you're hearing, please like and subscribe. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Extra Magazine. Until next time. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you're giggling through me off. Um, I'm so sorry, but it's true. <laughs>